This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. In this episode... We welcome Harry Trebaldwin. I'm a big fan of the pod, so thank you so much for having me on. We talk about buying sexy books on your Kindle. I used to download a lot of erotica, often cowboy-based. That's not a penchant of mine, but that just happened to be £0.00p on Amazon. And sci-fi sex education. We got shown, like, this video of a robot coming down from space, being like, this is how our children are made, how are yours made? Like, I understand now from a space point of view, but what about me? <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Digri Waite and as ever I'm joined by accredited sex and relationship therapist Kate Campbell. Hello mum. Hello Diggs. Every week mum and I give sex and relationships a good going over with a guest and this week we're very glad to be joined by a guest who has been making sure that Twitter hasn't missed out on a single office Christmas party, family Christmas dinner or New Year's Eve at a friend of a friend of a friend's house. It's Harry Trevaldwin. We had a great chat with Harry didn't we mum? We certainly did. Really good fun. Yes, we really did. But before we get to that chat, Mum, I was reading in The Guardian today, in The Guardian, ooh, about a new children's TV show in Denmark that I think you might find very interesting. And let me read you this. The Danish equivalent of the BBC, DR, has a new animated series aimed at four to eight-year-olds about John Dillamond, the man with the world's longest penis who overcomes hardships and challenges with his record-breaking genitals. Let me just read that first line again. DR has a new animated series aimed at four to eight-year-olds about a man with his record-breaking genitals. Um, Any instant thoughts? (laughs) Quite a few, actually, yes. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a really good idea... If Does it? it was well if, if, <laughs> Does it? If, if it was something that was part of some kind of program to make older children, adolescents, feel a bit more comfortable. But there are several things that aren't okay about it, I would say. Yeah. One that why why are we focusing on a penis? What's the you know, it's always a penis. Is it in children's shows? If it is in no, children's shows, then I'm worried. But whenever <laughs> But whenever there's a focus on gender it's always male it seems to me i mean the the male gender is always considered normal so if you take the human sexual response cycle for instance when masters and johnson researched this they came up with the idea that everybody was the same i mean they 
in reality, they knew everybody wasn't the same. But what they did was take what happens to men and apply it to women as well, whereas women's sexual response is completely different. Mm. And this is what always happens. Men's responses, men's behaviours, men's way of being is treated as normal Mm. and everything that women do is treated as um, sort of subnormal or deviant. Well, it's funny you say that because DR actually responded to some of the criticism they got, which I guess was along similar sort of lines, and they said they could have just as easily made a programme about a woman with no control over her vagina. And the most important thing was that children enjoyed it. But how but... would you have how would you have no control over your vagina? <laughs> exactly. What, what does that mean? I don't like to think about that program. Um, I would like to see the. the no, they the, couldn't the... just as easily have done that. Exactly, really. I agree. I mean, it's got comic potential. It does. Both do, to be fair. Was this the one with the picture of the very, 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 very incredibly long penis that he was using to help him do a barbecue? I'm very glad you brought this up. So the picture that accompanies the. Uh... <laughs> The, the article, is uh, John Dillamond, um, I imagine. This is a cartoon, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah, it's an animation, yeah. an actual yeah. man with an incredibly long penis. And John, well, funnily enough, because the name is is a, is a joke, Dilla in Danish is a slang for penis, and Mand is obviously man. So John Dillamond is literally John Penis Man. Anyway, he's wearing what looks like a stripy red and white one-piece bathing suit in his garden. And he's sort of squatting, I would say, about six feet away from a barbecue, which his penis is operating. Because And his penis looks like, if you guys know the Mr. Men books, Mr. Tickle has long, wiggly, spaghetti-like arms. That's the penis that we're working with here. But you don't... So, what, so what's the deal then, that he just sort of chops bits off the penis and fries them up like sausages? No, no, that would be insane. No. Oh. <laughs> no, no. So it isn't penis... insane. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. No, but what? his penis, it, it, like Mr. His Tickle's arms... His penis is operating his, the barbecue. His penis is currently, in this picture, is pouring uh, lighter fluid over the I think that's lighter fluid over the barbecue to keep it going. Also, what what needs to be stressed here is that the penis isn't just sort of sort of snaking out of a trouser leg of this one piece, but the one piece he's wearing, this bathing suit he's wearing, the penis is covered by that as well. He must have had some a special tailor make clothes to accommodate his penis that must be twelve foot long. So it's going to frighten people, isn't it? It's yeah. going to frighten little four-year-olds. I is it think. going to frighten four-year-olds? Because this is what they say here. John Dillamond talks to children and shares their way of thinking, and kids do find genitals funny. This is categorically not a show about sex. To pretend it is projects adult ideas onto it. Hang on a minute. Do we want children to find genitals funny? That is a good question. That is a good question. And especially, we do not want a man <laughs> wandering around in his bathing suit saying, I'm John Dillamond, would you like to look at my funny penis? I mean, if children got used to this, I mean, can, can, I mean, it's like it's like joy to paedophiles, isn't it? I mean, the other thing that they have said is, because obviously this is in the middle of the Me Too wave and stuff. They've said here, the show depicts a man who is impulsive and not always in control, who makes mistakes like kids do. But crucially, he always makes it right. He takes responsibility for his actions. When a woman in the show tells him that he should keep his penis in his pants, for instance, he listens, which is nice. He's accountable. That doesn't make him accountable. No. And also the whole point is his penis is out of control. Yeah. So if he can put it back in, then why doesn't he put it back in? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, exactly. And also, you've got to be a a woman who isn't freaked out by seeing this incredibly huge, mad penis. And you've got to be a woman who's strong enough to say, put that away. I think we're going to say, look, guys, 
it's a funny idea, but not for forty or eight year olds. We're no. going to put this one in the bin. Yeah, put it in the bin and burn it. <laughs> put it in the barbecue and burn it. The penis Absolutely. will. Absolutely. Extra line to fluid, please. And do you know? I think that was actually quite a good idea of mine. What? Sausages. Just chop it off. Yeah. Fantastic. Surgery. Yeah. Okay, well, John might have something to say about that. Um, but later in the It'd show... It would solve his problem, wouldn't it? It probably would. It would probably solve a lot of problems for a lot of people if they followed suit. All right, well, later in the show, as usual, I'll put a couple of sex and relationship conundrums to mum sent in by you, the listeners. And I thought it was fitting this week to have one about someone with a large penis. So stay tuned what? for that. Yeah, we've got a question about someone with a big, big penis. Oh. Why? Was that wrong? Well, no, I'm just... It's not John. It's not John Dillerman. Oh, it's, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's not about We're not going to go back to him again. Oh, no, 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 no. no nothing about that. <laughs> Imagine if DR had come in and they were like, yeah, one of our TV show stars, John Dillerman, has a massive knob. Who is, in fact, a cartoon. And the knob is obsessed with barbecues. <laughs> this man has to have specially tailored bathing suits to accommodate his penis. Do you have any help? No, luckily it's not that. But still, there is a large penis involved. So maybe it is that. Um, oh we'll have to wait and see but you can send in your questions into podcasts at hatchet.com or via the hashtag hashtag realsexedu on twitter right that is enough of that it's time for today's interview with actor Harry Trevaldwin in which I began by asking him what his sex education was like <laughs> I mean, I feel like it must be such a similar story for so many people, but it was, I mean, truly dreadful. Mm. I think we kind of did it in, like, two stages. So we did the, like, very, like, biological chat about it, where, the, like, the boys and girls separated. And the boys, we got shown, like, this video of a robot coming down from space, being like, this is how our children are made, how are yours made? Which, obviously, was incredibly confusing. <laughs> and then later on, we had PSHE kind of one, which, again, was very, like... This colour is red. How does this make you feel? Which obviously just made people so much more confused than they already were. What was the spaceman coming down? What was that? So that, I mean, I remember it so specifically because it must have been kind of like the first introduction I got into sex ed. But it was literally this robot kind of coming down from space into a brother and a sister's bedroom. And the robot's like very curious and is like, how are your babies made? Ours are made like this. And it kind of like is a fast cut to a factory. And then the young boy, who is clearly curious himself, kind of like pulls this book from under his pillow and goes, ours are made like this. And it's a photo of a naked man and a naked woman. And that was honestly it. And then they were like, Everyone understands now? Amazing. And just kind of moved on. The boy gets the book from under his pillow. Yeah, he was almost like he was prepared for this robot in such yeah. a big way. He was like, it's going to happen. How old did this kid look? I would say he looked younger than me, which immediately made me feel ashamed. Younger like, than you now or younger than you when you were a kid? I was like, younger than like a 26-year-old. It's so <laughs> yeah. weird. But he was yeah. like, younger than me then. He was like eight at the time. And I remember being like, well, yeah. this kid knows. What's happening? Yeah, this kid even has a bloody book under his bed. This kid is basically an expert at this and point. assuming his sister was like kind of also in the room, just kind of like, you take it from here. <laughs> yeah. And it was, yeah, I mean, I think every yeah. single person left there being so much more confused about what sex was. Like, I understand now from a space point of view, but what about me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was so simple for them. It was just a factory. Yeah. But what was the next bit of sex education? Was it soon after that or was it way it was, later? For me personally, because like, obviously cause I identify as gay, mm. so I didn't learn anything really about my sexual orientation or anything like that at school it was definitely much later and I think 
maybe because of that, because it's just like, it wasn't really... I mean, I was just, like, obsessed with One Tree Hill and was just like, why does it not have any with Peyton and Lucas? I'm like, how could it have one with me? So <laughs> yeah. it was just kind of like, probably like at university, honestly, and I only kind of mm. came out right at the end of university. And I think mm. a big part of that, just like I wasn't, it sounds bizarre to say now, but almost wasn't really aware of it as an option, mm. which, uh, yeah, it sounds like very weird saying it out loud, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm not gay. It was almost just not even registered in my mind until, like, I went to university and then met lots of lovely people who were like, oh, you can be this and you can be that. But I definitely had like a gateway where it would be like, I'd be watching porn and then I would lay like, okay, like maybe I'll go into female friendly porn. I'm not gay, but I'll watch female friendly porn. <laughs> and then I also, I remember I had a Kindle and I used to down, like download like a lot of erotica <laughs> yeah, yeah. onto it. And it would be like 100% it would be gay erotica. Like there's no mm. two ways about it often cowboy-based. That's not a penchant of mine, but that just happened to be zero pounds, zero, zero P on Amazon. Yeah, and I would read that. But then isn't that the craziest thing that I still didn't clock that I was, like, even gay when I was literally reading about, like, two cowboys left alone at the ranch? It makes no sense that I would just, like, still be like, nope, still straight. You say that, but then we've had people on the podcast, and I know plenty of women who identify as straight, who are friends of mine, who all say they regularly watch lesbian porn, and that's the only porn they watch. Mm. And definitely one or two of them have said it's because they identify with, when it's two women, they sort of identify with the pleasure that the woman's getting. It's all about what that woman is experiencing. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the same way, you could have been reading about Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger. Like, we're honestly, not even, not even, like, the way they were described was just dreadful. It was like, <laughs> most poorly written thing ever. And that's why I studied English at university. Because <laughs> you were like, I like what I've read so <laughs> like, far. Guys, English can be powerful. <laughs> yeah, it can be amazing. But no, actually, that does, that makes complete sense. For me, it was just like, I did, it was on my Kindle, so it could be like, in the same way, that I think lots of people got the Kindle to read Fifty Shades of Grey without yeah. people knowing. I think mm. I kind of like almost did it in the same way where it was like, I know that nobody's going to like check what's on my Kindle and I can just like read it in my bedroom and being like, interesting. <laughs> yeah. But that's another thing about it. So it's all, I mean, it should be personal, I suppose, but it's all very personal. I mean, does that sort of add to the sort of shame element around it where it's like, but then again, I don't want to say that you should be watching porn in public. So maybe, maybe it's good. That, that... <laughs> I see what your message is here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. There are lots of people watching porn on trains and it's always really uncomfortable and on planes as I've well. I've heard so many people say that. Mm. I've never seen it. I don't know whether that's because I'm like a blissfully unaware, but that does feel like a lot to do on a train the, the people who are viewing porn in public though they can't i mean they must that, be is that like there, are there laws around that or is it like... yeah sure yeah. referee I come don't on know. but i've oh i used to have to travel into london a lot and there were some people that were always doing it, and they would do it mm. very ostentatiously and it was quite abusive because they were wanting people to notice in the morning yeah. on a commute in the morning now God, how horrid. are they this is a horrible question but if <sighs> They can't be masturbating on the train, can they? I hope not. But that, in some ways, obviously it would worry me a lot if they were masturbating. But if they're not, I mean, you are really a porn connoisseur at that point. But then, like, are you watching it for plotline? Yeah, like... it, they must be. No. They must be like, ooh, this woman's stuck again in the washing machine. That is a... That's <laughs> they a... need a trusted trader. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, there are a couple of people that were quite well known on this journey and they used to sort of hang their... Blazers um, up and stuff on the fruit seat in no, front? No. Their device. Hang it. No, so they'd hang it like it was a cinema. Over the seat in front and lean back. 
so that everybody could see what they were watching. Yeah. And they'd be watching porn. Well, yeah, and I think they did it because they didn't want anyone to sit next to them and it worked. So it feels, I feel like yeah, there are a couple of steps before of even maybe <laughs> just going like, oh, do you mind if you leave that seat? Rather than being like, here we go. Just do the horrible dickhead thing of putting your bag on the seat next to you. Now, I hate yeah. people that do that, but I would rather that than you watching porn and displaying it to the rest of the carriage. But let me just say as well, is HBO shows are notorious for some pretty saucy sex scenes. And there's been a few times where I've had to <laughs> warn the people around me, being like, right, guys, I'm about to stick on The Undoing. <laughs> and I know there's going to be a sex scene, several, involving Hugh Grant. And yes, mm. I, it's the fourth time I've watched the whole series again. No, it's, it's not. No, it's definitely porn porn. Yeah. But speaking of that, I find the way that, like, if someone is doing that kind of, like, in public, the way they, like, try and show that they are watching a TV show is that they suddenly, like, start studying it as if it's, like, a piece of academia. When it, like, comes <laughs> yeah. on, they're like, I'm not enjoying this, I'm watching a TV show, and they'll just go, like, super pensive and be like, uh-huh, okay, okay, until it's <laughs> yeah. over, and then relax again and be like, okay, it's just, like, regular, regular TV show again. <laughs> yeah, like, getting really close to the screen and, like... Tracing the subtitles yeah. with their finger. Like, mm, yeah. No, but actually, when sex scenes come on, people often move their tablet or their phone into their lap. <laughs> yeah, not to cover up what's going on, yeah. <laughs> Closer to the action. No, not to cover Closer anything to up. Action. But so that other people can't see it. You know, they kind of hold it mm. into themselves. Whereas these couple of characters, they make theirs more obvious. I am so glad you don't do that commute anymore. Do you remember, Diggs, when you and I used to go on the train together yes of course it was brilliant <laughs> and then you'd get your ipad out and... <laughs> <laughs> no i'd be working yeah but but it was well, that um, was a nightmare you... in itself because the title of every you know you get out your little your little worksheets <laughs> and notebooks and there'd be a, either oh. pictures of penises on there oh. or you, you open up a book called sex and intimacy a you know a yeah, graphic guide and i just sat next that to that pop-up like... book like whoa <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh yeah you yeah. used to pretend you didn't know me that's right Oh, my goodness. I'd forgotten that, Dick. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I bloody haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you think there was something specific as to why being gay wasn't an option when you were younger? Yeah, I think definitely. So it was kind of like, I think, in such like kind of a classic school way... I think the word gay became like synonymous with something bad. Like, it was just used as an insult. I agree. I mean, similarly, when I went to university, it had to be literally, I got one of my friends, she would beat it out of me because I was conditioned almost 
to say, you know, something was lame, I was like, oh, that's that's gay. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I hate myself for that. I hate mm. myself for that. But I mean, I definitely did it as well. Like, but that and that's 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 terrible, isn't it? Yeah. And we all did it, and it just sort of was generally accepted. I feel like hopefully now the people that are at school now don't do that. But I don't know, and I really hope not because it, it genuinely had to be beaten out of me. I yeah. said to her every time I say it because now I literally just say it without thinking. I was literally like, if you hit me. That will be a Pavlovian response. Like, I'm a dog. I need someone. <laughs> like, no degree. <laughs> exactly. That's essentially what had to happen. Yeah. But it's embarrassing. And I look back now and I hate myself for it. And it's funny because I've had conversations with people from my old school who still say that, those sorts yeah. of things, because they just never grew out of it. Maybe they don't even know many gay people. and They don't realise it's homophobic. And I've had to debate with them that it is. It's interesting, isn't it? Because at schools, they're supposed to address inequality. Mm. And yet this is one area that doesn't get a for sure yeah and teachers would definitely know about this rampant misuse of of the word yeah i think Mm. it was so much easier to kind of be like yeah "Ah, it's such a big issue than to actually kind of like tackle it and digest it i've had a couple of times when i've been like ah like you shouldn't say and it's always still to this it's such an awkward thing to be like ah but you can't really use that as an insult like we can talk about it and we can chat about it but i'm i find that Mm. such a difficult thing of how to like gently tell off someone yeah a gentle mm. challenge where yeah. you're like oh I, I would prefer if you didn't say gay yeah like yeah, that yeah. i you know oh, it's, it's similar mm. with um well i don't even want to say the example but there's there's other words yeah. out there as well <laughs> it's like, let's list them all right now <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i don't even want to say them sometimes <laughs> i have to admit you know you pick and choose your battles you know when i've just met someone and they say it, i sort of i might hold my tongue but it, especially when it's friends who for I sure. like know and love and like, I'm like, no, I have to be ready for a bit of tension here and say, hey, let's not. In this yeah. case, it's homophobic. Yeah. And sometimes you have to explain why, but it is. I remember I once had a really awkward thing where like someone said it and it was someone that I was like spending a little bit of time with and they like kind of like said it like four times and at the end I was just like, as if I had just said it, I was like, oh, wait a second, you probably shouldn't say that. And then they just like steadfastly denied that they'd said it. And I was like, huh. And it was just like the most awkward thing in the world. I was just like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then it oh, was... you ended up apologising. <laughs> yeah, because I was just like, that's horrible. Because they were just like, no, I didn't say that. And I was like, oh, okay. That is so, it's so Trumpian to sit mm. there and say it and then go. Very bold. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And just completely rewrite history. But yeah. that's the problem. People don't realise what they're doing, mm. do they? And again, it's something that if it was addressed in schools, maybe wouldn't happens so much because it's hard enough discovering your sexuality at all discovering Mm. you've got any never mind which direction it's going to go in if Mm. a direction any direction at all without having to be such a big deal and having to come out I mean you don't come out as straight yeah yeah I think about it now and it is such like it feels like such like a forceful thing to do like as in looking back on it now I'm like oh my god like I would never Mm. have to do that again just like bringing up those inorganic conversations and stuff like that is just so Mm. it's just so awkward just being like we're Mm. in a car hmm speaking of cars Mm. guess what um (laughs) like yeah it's funny you mentioned the car because the car seems to be whenever we we've talked to guests on this show it the car is always when people get the birds and the bees chat or when people come out what is that about it's so (laughs) weird i remember when i was in the like car with my mom she was literally just like um i was like i can't believe i'm having this conversation with you in a car and she was just like oh like knew exactly where it was going she's like sometimes the most important conversations happen in cars and it's so true because Mm -hmm. i feel like i think there's something about you've got the road in front of you so you can be looking at different things Mm. for the driver you don't have to worry about where your hands are because they are hopefully on the wheel 
And there's something like, I think you can do big, big, important conversations in a car. And you're trapped. Yes. And oh you're my trapped. God, that's absolutely the entirety. It's like, you can't leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless it really is, you're like, oh, I'm just going to duck and roll. You know, I'm just going to take my chances at yeah, this point. Like, this is not working. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless you've got somebody sitting next to you who's a toucher. You know, because sometimes you're driving and somebody, so you, and you've got a passenger who's one of these ones that hangs on your arm mm-hmm. and keeps touching you. Have, you. have you ever had that? Basically, you're talking it's... about me, and I really hate being called out on the podcast <laughs> like this. I was wondering why Mum was always like, "Oh, I want you to sit in the back when we go to the shops," and I was like, "Why? I wonder why that is." And all the shopping goes in the front seat, and I'm like trying to reach like, you to hold the hole in the chair, just like mother. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to ask Kate whilst you've got a real sex therapist? I know you've listened to the show before. So is there anything that you thought, oh, yeah, they've talked about that and I'd like to go into it more or uh, anything like that? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess like how, so just like, because obviously like this dynamic is so wonderful. And me and my friends (laughs) kind of like often talk about like, oh, like when, if we have children, like how open to because it almost like I can almost imagine it going like if your parent is super open about sex to their child then the child is going to be super closed about sex and it almost like goes in a cycle mm. is mm. that something that happens because I can imagine it must be and for you guys especially it must be such a tightrope of like what the balance is of like healthy discussion oh digs is it a tightrope <laughs> uh, <laughs> was it a tightrope but yeah we never get too personal it's always usually objective but but in terms of I, th- I think Jess Diggs's sister said oh when I was 12 mum was talking to me about sex she wasn't 12 she was older than that but I feel like it wasn't difficult to do that because we always had mm. not in a not in a yucky way but in an age-appropriate way so if mm. for instance Diggory or one of his siblings said where do babies come from we would talk about where they came from in an age-appropriate way. But, um, mm. you know, and as they got older, that would expand, I suppose. So if it's mm. a four-year-old, it's mummy's tummy. If it's oh, yeah. a 16-year-old... It's mummy's special it's a do- tummy. Don't <laughs> yeah, pretend yeah. you don't know already yeah. it would be if you were yeah. a 16-year-old. <laughs> like, Please, Diggory, yeah, grow up. I'm just getting shamed now for my lack of sex yeah. education knowledge, even though we've had this <laughs> long-running podcast at this point. Um <laughs> That's what we always tell people, I suppose, with their kids. Just make it, make sure it's age appropriate. But don't ever lie or don't ever say Mm, something that's not true. I mean, well, actually, having said that, mum, when I was younger, you guys did say I fell from outer space and I was an alien. There Um, you are, you see. (laughs) Yeah, so actually... all of Harry's Harry's sex education (laughs) makes sense. Oh, my God, full circle. It was true. Oh, my God, it is true. Oh, wow, that's incredible. Oh, my God. Yeah, but that's... So, actually, now I think about it, we don't even follow our own rules. I genuinely thought I was an alien for quite some time. Did you? Did you actually? Yeah, but also because I I show off, I was like, that makes me special, so I don't care. I'm an alien, so... I I did that constantly. But the alien thing wasn't anything to do with sex education. The alien thing was because you were weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Let's be honest, eh? Yeah, come on. No, it wasn't anything horrible. It was just that you were weird. Well, let's put it this way. The midwife screamed when she saw him. (gasps) Brilliant. But that could be elated, like, oh, I'm (laughs) guessing it was not. The babies are not supposed to be able to do things, but I was holding him and he sort of sat up and turned around and he was a newborn. I would find that creepy. Yeah, that was creepy. And then then the, the midwife that came to visit at home said, 
put him on the bed, put him on the bed. And I said, no, he'll roll off. And she said, don't be silly. He's newborn. He won't be able to roll off. And I said, he will. And she said, don't be silly. Put him on the bed. And I put him on the bed and he rolled over and I caught him <gasps> just before he rolled off. That was why. Mm. Because he did things yeah. like well, that. What that midwife really didn't like was the fact he that... He levitated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I turned my head around and, and said, uh, red run. <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's got to that time at the end of the podcast where we like to ask people, how was it for you? So Harry, how was it for you? Was it good for you too? I mean, it was so good. I felt like also this like my like podcast virginity. So who better <gasps> oh, than yes. with like a sex therapist Absolutely. and a son? Um, did, did we ask the appropriate consent beforehand and all that? Yeah, I felt gently led in. Um, but yeah, it was <laughs> great. It yeah. was so wonderful. And honestly, I'm such a, like, I was so nervous because I'm such a fan of the pod. Um, so thank Aww. you so much. You, so honestly, I had the easiest sell ever where you're like barely finished messaging me and I was like, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. thank you for coming. We're so glad to be probably the first and only mother and son duo taking your virginity in podcasting <laughs> form. So that's fantastic. I don't know if that's mm. true, Degree, but we'll just have to see. <laughs> we'll just have to see. <laughs> fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, hopefully speak to you again very soon. Thank you so much thank for coming on. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. It's the mailbag. Send Kate your queries to podcastahatch.com. It's the mailbag. Send Kate your queries. Podcast with two T's. Hello there. I have a query for Kate. I would like to know when the real sex education mailbag starts. Thank you so much to Harry for coming on. It was absolutely brilliant. Right, now is the time of the show when we take a look in our mailbox to see what questions you guys have for Kate, an accredited sex and relationships therapist. Mum, as promised, we'll start with the question about the big penis. <laughs> Don't laugh. This I'm not is serious. Laughing. You wait. This is a serious one. Emily won't be happy with you for this. So, this one is from Emily oh, who says Sorry, Emily. Hi, Kate and Diggory. See, she's been polite and she said hello to mm-hmm. us, which was very nice. Mm. My boyfriend has a very big penis and so far we've only been able to have sex a few times. It is usually so big that it won't go in and when it does, it really hurts me. We are both really frustrated by this because otherwise we have a great sex life. Mm. I'd love to know what's happened with his partners in the past. Mm, that's a good question. And whether she's had sex before. Or intercourse before. Um, is this her first time? Because I wonder if she is just very anxious about it. Because actually, the vagina can accommodate an extremely large penis. And it does stretch. I mean, it does become much, much, much bigger during intercourse. And with, or during arousal, really. Mm. So it could be that she's not sufficiently aroused. Mm. Or that there's not enough lubrication. And certainly some extra lubrication would probably be helpful. But she could get checked out to see if there's any problem for her because mm. I wonder if she is actually tightening up, you know, mm. b- b- frightened and tightening up and so that it, it's more difficult. Because if she is sufficiently aroused, they should be able to have a really nice time. Really? Even if it's really big? Well... Yeah, I mean, if it's really, really, really unusual to have a, a super large, abnormally large penis. It's really, really unusual. And even when people do, they still have relationships that are absolutely fine. So we need to know really more about Emily and whether this is her first intercourse or whether she's had partners before and it's been comfortable and she's not had any problems or whether he is a bit on the big side and she's thinking, gosh, that's really scary or Mm. whether she's just not sufficiently aroused. I think there's an an awful lot more to this than Mm. meets the eye. 
and I, and like you said, talk to him and and say, have you had success in the past? As as in, uh, have you have you had sex in the past successfully? Yes, without, uh, with, other, without this. with other partners. I yeah. mean, the way the way she says we're both really frustrated. I wonder actually. I mean, she doesn't need intercourse to. Uh, well, neither of them do, but she definitely doesn't need intercourse to enjoy herself. Mm. So I wonder if it's him putting more pressure on and that's making her even more anxious. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he's the frustrated one. Yeah. Or but maybe, maybe I'm being really unfair to him. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe she you know, is. Yeah. Uh, but it's sort of like, this is a terrible metaphor, but it's sort of like when you have, you know, a dinner and there's you've got your plate and there's something on that plate that's your favourite and there's some other stuff on there that you like as well. But that doesn't mean that you don't want everything that's on your plate, everything that's available to you, because you don't want just to eat the same thing over and over again. Actually, and especially because if it's there, imagine it also, you eat all the things you do usually like, but the thing that is there, to finish it off, you can't have either. Both of you can't have. Well, it would depend. If it was a sprout, you know. Yeah, then I'd say no. In fact, stick that on the barbecue and get John Dilliman to put some lighter <laughs> fluid on with his penis. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Oh, dear. I'd love it. I'd gobble it up. Oh, that's disgusting. The sprout, I mean. Yes, good. Mm. Let's make that absolutely clear. Mm. Okay. We have another one here from Ben who has said, my boyfriend seems to expect me to know what he wants and gets disappointed when I don't. He will say one thing, but then later want the opposite or just not tell me what he wants at all. I keep telling him I can't read his mind, but he says I'd know what he wants if I really loved him. This has gotten worse due to us both working from home and lockdown and it's making me question whether we should have moved in together at all, even though I really can't imagine leaving. Help. Oh, dear. Okay, so I wonder if he means sexually that he's expected to know Mm. what's going on or whether it's just in general. Ah, yeah, because I just I instantly thought it was in general. I don't know why I thought that. So let could be both. Yeah, yeah, yes. Either way, some people are very, very bad at telling people what they want. And they do have this idea that other people should know. And it's very, very difficult because they don't see the other person's point of view as a rule. And they have an inability to mentalise, which is to sort of be aware of what they're thinking and to think about their own thinking and to think about the way other people think. And so when they believe something, they 100% believe it quite often. And it's very difficult to give them new information. So many couples do have this issue going on between them. And it's incredibly hard to deal with because, of course, one person is certain they're right and the other person is wondering what the heck's going on and doing the very best they can, but never, ever doing it well enough. So if this is what this boyfriend is like, it's going to be incredibly difficult to change his mind and to get him to see what he's doing. And, you know, if it goes on, it eventually becomes a little bit abusive. So Mm. I think in this case, this might be one of those occasions when some counselling would be useful, some couple counselling. Right. I mean, it's such a difficult situation because it seems very simple to say, what do you want? And the other person to be like, well, I want this. And then that's what you do, you know. Mm. Do they know what they really want? No. So that's why, that's what it is, right? It's like that they don't actually know. So that when the, whatever outcome happens, if they don't like that outcome, then they can go, oh, well, I wanted this thing in the first place. No, but when they actually didn't. No, yes. But what they settle on, they often get very attached to. So if they settle on 
expecting a particular outcome. Mm. It doesn't matter what you do, they won't change from that. So, I mean, a, a really good, for instance, is something like you see a lot of couples where, let's say, it's been one's birthday and they mm. say, my partner did nothing for my birthday. And then you hear the partner took them out for dinner bought them um, an expensive gift, all sorts of things. Mm. But the thing that they were imagining they would do or the thing Mm. that they dropped a hint about didn't get picked up. And because they didn't get what they'd imagined and been thinking about and hoping for, they say they did nothing. Yeah, it felt like they got nothing at all. It felt like they got nothing at all. They Mm. completely discount everything else. Because it wasn't that. Oh, and and dear, that yeah. and, and this is I mean, you know, the fact that I even know about it shows how common it is. Yeah. It's yeah. really common. And it's a huge it's a massive problem for people because they end up, if you if you keep doing this, of course people get fed up in the end and they start to feel that they're being pressured too much. And so they withdraw from the relationship. And then you have all the problems of the other partner feeling, yes, you are withdrawing. You don't love me enough. And mm. so it's very difficult and, and, and hard to treat in counselling too. My usual advice, as unqualified as it is, would <laughs> usually to be like, you know, sit down, say this is serious, have a conversation, no, try and ask work. them. But that's not working. That that's clearly work. what's what's being done already. Yeah, so yeah. so counselling really is yeah, the, re- is the You way really forward. do need some extra help here because people cannot see the other point of view Mm. and it may be that they both need individual counselling before they're in a place where they can even do relationship counselling because the partner who can't see the other one's point of view needs some help to do that yeah well that about wraps up another mailbag section remember you can get your questions into podcasts at hattrick.com and with the hashtag real sex edu thank you so much again to harry trevaldwin for coming on the show it was bloody brilliant and thank you to accredited sex and relationship therapist kate campbell thanks mum. thank you Diggs. and thank you for listening we really appreciate it bye bye You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Campbell. The show is produced by Diggory Waite, and the executive producer is Andy Goddard. The Real Sex Education is a hat-trick podcast. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between Diggory Waite and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Diggory does wish his mother was played by Gillian Anderson. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.